afternoon, evening, or the dead of night to you, wherever you are, whatever time it is, whatever you're doing. Welcome to another edition, a very special edition, in fact, of uh, Tangentially Speaking. I'm Chris Ryan, your host, I guess. I'm a host. Um, Anyway, I got a really nice email this week from a guy named Frederick, who's a farmer in northern Norway. What the fuck do you farm in northern Norway? I can't imagine. But he's, I mean, northern Norway, that's that's way the fuck up there. So long growing season in the summer and a long cold winter. Anyway, Frederick, thank you for your email. Very nice. And uh, it's always cool to hear from people in bizarre places. I got another email from a guy in, where was he? In Chile, I think. And he said he was listening to the podcast, walking down the street when he sees a Yorkie escape from, you know, off the leash, Yorkie running around and these two German shepherds sweep in and pick it up and start playing with this Yorkie, like, you know, as if it were a rag doll or a a stick in the park or something. So he runs over and he and another guy, and they're sort of like pulling these German shepherds and trying to save this Yorkie and the whole, while this crazy situation is happening, he's got me droning on in his ears. (laughs) So I was kind of there, but ignoring the situation, I guess. Anyway, the point is, it's amazing that you're out there listening to this and I'm standing here alone in my almost empty office, which I'm moving out of in Portland. As much as I whine and and piss and moan about modernity, there are some pretty cool things about it. And the fact that um, my voice is reaching your ear right now is definitely cool and I'm grateful for it. So thank you for making that possible. And welcome to new listeners. I noticed there's an uptick in downloads the last few weeks. I think probably the Dan Carlin episode brought in a bunch of new people and, uh, you know, and maybe uh, there's word of mouth happening. So whatever it is that's bringing new people to the podcast, you're most welcome. Thank you. Check the archives. They're all free. There was go through my website. Everything's free on uh, Libsyn. They still charge for it. We're phasing that out, Um, but go through my website. All the archives are free. You can listen to whatever you want, whenever you want, and downloads as well. As I said, this is a special episode, so I'm not going to rant or, um, you know, go off on anything this week. Um, This The guest this week is a buddy of mine. His name's Murphy. He's uh, about 13 and a half, I think he said. He's the son of a good buddy of mine here in uh, Portland, And I don't really need to introduce him because I talk, uh, the two of us talk in the podcast about, you know, why I wanted to have him on and, and uh, it'll become apparent to you very uh, rapidly why I wanted to have him on. He's a particularly thoughtful, interesting guy. And, um, you know, I'm always interested to talk to people who have something to say about where they are and, and how things look from their perspective but particularly people who are aware that they have a perspective. You know what I mean? And uh, 
you know, so, the, you know, when I had the guy on who had robbed a bunch of banks, you know, he, he was able to look at himself as somebody who had robbed a bunch of banks and escaped from prison and sort of see the see that from outside. And, and that's what made him interesting. If, if it was someone who's so immersed in their situation that they can't see it as a situation, well, that's not particularly interesting in most cases. But, um, you know, and, and being young, I think that's even more unusual and, and difficult because there's a, an immersion in experience uh, that's part of youth. And, and that's what we love about youth. And that's what we miss about it as we age. We we get too much damn perspective. You know, everything is shades of gray. Everything is a story within a story. And, and, and the the observing part of consciousness recedes further and further into the distance. And, and so we, we end up with uh, a remote feeling toward life, I think. And, um, I think that's the price of experience. That's the, the nature of wisdom in, in some ways. I remember uh, reading Choyum Trungpa many years ago. This was when I first got to Barcelona. My friend Marcos gave me a book. It's called Shambhala, I think. Um, and Chogyam Trungpa was a Tibetan monk who introduced Tibetan Buddhism to the United States. And uh, I remember there was a passage in that book where he says, everyone thinks that uh, enlightenment is just constant bliss, this the state of endless bliss and immersion and experience, oneness with the universe. He said, that's not what it is. Enlightenment is balance. It's not bliss. Enlightenment is when you reach the point where you are so aware of the suffering in life that no matter how good your life is, no matter how great your experience is at that moment, you never forget that there is suffering happening all around you. And yet, no matter how much you're suffering, no matter how bad your experience gets, no matter how much pain you're in, you never forget how glorious the world is and how much happiness and bliss and beauty is surrounding you. So it's balance. You never forget the other side. That's enlightenment, he said. And that really stuck with me because that's the opposite of what Americans think, right? Amer most Americans, and he wrote another book called Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, which I really love because he was pointing out Americans approach spirituality by and large. Of course, there are exceptions, right? But we, because we're such consumers, we approach spiritual disciplines with the same kind of attitude that we bring to a Walmart, Right. We're picking and choosing what kind of enlightenment do I want? What's going to fit me best? What looks best on me? What feels right? How's the price on this compared to other things? We're shopping for enlightenment. And so we want happiness. We, we create this idea of what enlightenment is that's just happy and young and youthful and wonderful. And oh, it's like a fucking Coke commercial. That's not what it is. William Blake wrote. What is the price of experience? Do men buy it for a song or wisdom for, the, for a dance in the street? No, it is bought with the price of all that a man has, his wife, his house, his children. Wisdom is sold in the desolate market where none come to buy and in the withered field 
where the farmer plows for bread in vain. I think that's in Songs of Experience. Anyway, that's sort of a downer. Um, But my point is that to find a guy like Murphy, who is 13 and a half, who has the sort of understanding of life that he does, is very unusual. And I thought it was worth uh, introducing him to you. I hope you agree. Uh, Very quickly, the music I use in this episode are two songs from Into the Wild, sung by Eddie Vedder. One is written by him. It's called Guarantee. That's at the end. And another is called Society. One of my favorite songs is written by uh, Jerry Hannon from San Francisco. You can I'll put links up to a performance that he did that's on YouTube uh, that's quite different from the Eddie Vedder version. But I love it. Make sure you listen to the words to those songs. They're uh, they're quite extraordinary, I think. And uh, the other song is called Storm. And it was uh, shared with me by a listener to the podcast, Brian Aspel. You can uh, download or at least listen, stream the songs, uh, the song Storm and a few other songs that he's put up on SoundCloud. If you go to soundcloud.com backslash Brian dash Aspel, A-S-P-E-L-L. The song is called Storm. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening.
where the storm has come Clouds are dark and heavy with the thought of you and what would have been. And I, with my eyes upon the sky, stare into the void to see the flashing lights and what it might mean. Just burn yourself on that tea. Yeah, just drink. Roof them off. All right, all right. So, why don't you pull your chair in so you're a little closer to the mic there? Like right here. Yeah. Are you, all right. Are you comfortable like that? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. All right. So uh, here I am in my spectacular office suite uh, in Portland with Murphy. Are we going to use your last name? Uh, do you know? Sure, you know how to pronounce it. Uh, I know how to pronounce it now because you just told me two minutes ago. P- Pillo, right? Pillow. Yeah, Pillo. T silent. I didn't know if you wanted to be like anonymous or something. Almost. No, who no? cares? No? Okay. So, how old are you, Murphy? Um, about thirteen and a half years old. About thirteen and a half. What the hell does that mean? Thirteen and a quarter. Thirteen and three fifths. What is this? About thirteen and a half. I mean, like, I, I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you know, I was thinking, as I asked you, I was thinking, that's weird, you know, like the first thing a lo- people get asked at your age is how old you are, right? Right. And it's something like that comes up less and less frequently the older you get. Like right. if somebody asked me how old I was now, it would be weird. Yeah. Like, exactly. hey, you're, so what's your name, Chris? How old are you? Like, what the fuck are you asking me that for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then when you're a kid, like, it's like, how old are you? How old are you? 11? Are you 12? Are you 10? How old are you? Right. And, yeah. and also, you get the halves 13 Ex- and a half. Yeah, exactly. Going on 14. Because, like, every year is, like, so changing from, like, the age 8 to 18 for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know. I just kind of grew up feeling that way. I don't know. You know, you kids just kind of want to be like, I want to be the big kid, you know? Well, I think it's true that um, things change dramatically and much more uh, rapidly during those years than later. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's an American Indian thing they call the closing of the hoop. Have you heard about that? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think so, yeah. It's the idea is that when you're, you're born, you're like a, a, a dot. And then as you grow, you sort of become an, a line and then an arc. Mm-hmm. And then as you're getting older, the arc uh, sort of curls, the two ends curl around and start to go back toward each other. So now it's forming a circle. Right. And at a certain age, those two ends join. And that's death. No. No? No, that's a maturity. That's when the boy oh. becomes a man or the girl becomes a woman. And that's when you have this coming of age ritual. Like how they sent the 13 or 14 year olds out on the vision quest. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that's when you would do your vision quest um, if you're from one of those societies. And what's really interesting to me about that is that it's such a, the, the image is so powerful because what they say is that until those two points close, you're still vulnerable to other people, to other people's opinions. Other people can hurt you really deeply, you know, because someone can say something to you and you're not old enough yet or you're not mature enough yet that you can really defend yourself against it. And But once those two points close and the arc, the circle is complete, then somebody tells you, oh, you're stupid. Then you're like, 
I know I'm not stupid, right? That you just know, bounces off. That's got to happen recently, like the past couple weeks, actually. Like, you know, older kids, you know, not older kids, but just kids bigger than me used to be like, oh, you know, you're stupid or you're a faggot. And I was like, like before I was like, oh, man, that sucks. Now I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. Well, obviously, there's something wrong with you and I don't know. So I'm just going to deflect that. And pretty much, yeah, that's feels like my two dots have connected pretty well, recently. Well, good. That's, that's an important moment. And, and what they say is that then once those, those dots, the, you know, the arc connects, right. um, then what happens is as you get older, it expands like a ripple on a pond or something. Oh, so the circle so just the keeps circle getting bigger. Right. But, but that's what we were talking about earlier, right? Like things really change. Like a 12-year-old is really different from a 13-year-old, that same person. In right. fact, I would argue that you're not the same person at 16 that you were when you were 13. I bet that's going to be true. And, like, it feels like, you know, since people are younger, you know, a month can feel like a year to, a, like, a 70 or an 80-year-old. And it feels like like a couple months go by or even just a couple weeks, like, your life was here and then all of a sudden your life is here. Like, it can be your social life or your academic life because that stuff can change really fast. Yeah, yeah pretty. <clears throat> that's pretty much how yeah, I feel. And your body's changing fast. You're growing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, you're getting all sorts of, you know, puberty stuff happening. Yeah. That's pretty strange. You know, yeah, you're starting to, like, notice women more or girls more and you're starting to, like... You know, you're just your thoughts are just going through differently. Like when you go back and look at something, you're like, "Whoa, I look that completely differently." Like, I'm, like three months ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's for like adults. It's like ten years later. I kind of look at that a little differently, yeah, but then it's yeah. like three months. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a strange thing. I feel like for myself, I feel like I became me somewhere in my twenties, and then I've just been getting older. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. I'm just, I'm like still the same guy I was when I was 25. I'm just an older, fatter version, right? <laughs> but when, like, I'm, I feel like I'm not a version of who I was when I was 17 or 15 or whatever. Right. I feel like that's a different person. person. Yeah. You know, right. like there's some similarities, but that's a really different person. It's, right. it's a strange thing. It's, yeah, it's it's an interesting concept to think about. For yeah, sure. how experience shapes who you are. Yeah, right. You can go through five years in your life and nothing really that interesting happens, and then you go through a single month in your life, and so like you have three amazing experiences, and then all of a sudden your views on everything are, are changed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Well, anyway, so the, the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is I think you're a very thoughtful guy. And Thank I like uh, I like hanging out and hearing your your opinions on things. And we went to uh, dinner with your grandmother a couple months ago, and she was in town. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. May May is what we call her May May. May May. And <laughs> yeah. um, oh, and I, sh- I should probably mention your dad's a good friend of mine, and um, so you know that's the yeah. connection to the right. to the family and all that. But. Um, well, both your parents are friends of mine, but <laughs> yeah, your yeah. dad and I play basketball regularly. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so you guys are a little bit closer. Yeah. I see. Yeah, he's the best and I'm the worst. <laughs> so yeah, we, he told me he like, you know, sinks all those threes and he's just trying to kind of help you back there. Oh, is that what he's doing? Yeah. I, I, I guess. 
<laughs> anyway, we're not going to talk about your dad. No. Uh, but uh, you, you had a book at dinner, and you're sitting right. there reading the book. And you weren't doing it to be a dick. You were just, like, really interested in the book, and right. it was more interesting than the conversation and uh-huh. whatever. And, I, and that reminded me so much of myself when I was, you know, in my teens. I, used to, I always had a book, and I would just be like, eh boring i'm gonna just read yeah you know i'm in school and they're just talking about something um it's you know it's not like all the time but sometimes i just feel like i'm gonna forget this like uh, this isn't gonna take a stick on me and then i have my book and you know most i usually read nonfiction books like my book right here and it's just really interesting to me and and when I read something like when I read something I'm not interested in and or, or I think it's bullshit you know I'm just like no no I don't, I don't need to read this but then I'm gonna read something that I think is intellectually intellectually tr- challenging to me in a good way um I just really get into it like I'm just like you know, I read like a hundred pages in two days but then a book I'm not interested in i read 20 pages in five right yeah how do you know if it's bullshit or not i kind of you can kind of feel it in the book like if some if like a book is like written by someone who's you can kind of feel like they like were paid by somebody to write this or Mm. you know you it's just kind of a vibe you know how you get a vibe from people you kind of get a vibe from a book too that's yeah. true, yeah. But so, I always give them a chance. I always read at least ten or twenty pages before I give up on the book. Yeah. And what you're looking for? It sounds like you're you're looking for sincerity, yeah, authenticity, yeah, yeah. I agree. This book I'm writing now, actually, I, I I've cut this out at this point, but the original introduction mm-hmm. um, was really about what you're saying. It, it, mm-hmm. it was. I I sort of said like, okay, everybody who writes a book has an agenda. You know mm-hmm. what I mean by an agenda? Yeah. Like something yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to prove, something, right? Yeah, right. And I've got an agenda, and here's my agenda. Right. And I just, like, put it all on the table, and, you know, like, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an Indian, and I, you know, <laughs> went around the neighborhood with a loincloth <laughs> and all this kind of shit. Some yeah. of it you do, I hear. <laughs> and I just, like, laid it all out there, and... um because of that, because I know that people are looking like, hey, is this person for real, or right. is they, you know, are they yeah, trying to yeah, bullshit yeah. me here? But then my dad read it, and my dad was like, eh, you know, you're kind of undercutting your yourself here, you know? Right. It's like, it's not really about you, right? Your book's about this idea. It's not about right. what a weird kid you were. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe I'll use that for something else. Yeah, write a memoir or something. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so would you consider yourself to be a, a strange kid or where, where are you in the, the like social world? You know, or- when I compare myself to other kids, I don't consider myself strange, but in our culture today that we have formed for ourselves, I'm, I'm just, I'm weird because I like to be nice to people and I enjoy nature and I want to protect the environment and apparently, and I, and I enjoy and I enjoy and feel better when I eat healthy foods. I'm weird, or mm. and you know people are like call me like nature boy or eat or like it's not natural. And I'm just like, you know, yeah. I really don't care. You know, it's funny. Even in Portland, those things make you seem weird because th- those are kind of Portland things, aren't they? It's 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 kids. It's mm. kids, and you know you have 
their parents and yeah i like i like i like all their parents they're nice people but um <clears throat> when you compare how they were raised they didn't really you know you you they didn't really get to know anything else like they don't know any better that's why i don't look down on them like they're my friends and i appreciate them or they're my fellow colleagues in my school but they just they don't know and that's why I'm weird because mm. they don't really know what I'm talking about, right? Or they're scared to give themselves something new, right? Right. You think it's hard to be a kid? Hard is a. It's not hard. It just, you know, it kind of is. I mean, it's not like. You know, people say, "Oh, you don't have to make money. All you have to do is go to school," right? But if you don't have any friends and you're and you don't, don't feel left out of everything well that's just sucks because you can't like go to a different job you're at that school right and most kids most parents won't like change their schools if you know if, just because they don't have any friends so right. you know it's i say the social part of it is harder but then the stress is probably less it, it depends for all adults, you know. Some adults don't have a job, and you know they have an easy life. They don't have a family, kind of like you. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and um, you know, some adults, you know, have a um, family, but they don't make a lot of money, and they have a lot of stress. You know, yeah. It just it varies for adults, but then for kids, it doesn't vary as much. It's pretty similar the problems that kids have you know, social. Yeah. And the lack of control, I think is a big, a big issue, especially as you get into your teenage years and you're starting to feel like, you know, Hey, I could, I could do this. I don't need people telling me what to do all the time. Yeah, I know. It's like, like my parents, they are very open to a lot of things like, um, and they let me go out a, a lot and, you know, they take me out on hikes and stuff and just let me explore. And, but other parents, um, I'm not saying like, this is this is just the way other people were raised. This is just how society, um, um, you know, <clears throat> created this mindset. But I don't know when this happened, if it was the 1950s, 1980s, or 1840s. I don't know when the concept started. But basically, if you it's, – it's actually bad for childhood development to not let – kids go out and play and explore and do what they want because that you think oh well they're just playing they don't need to do that they should be safe actually they're growing their brains and they're getting bacteria and the dirt they need for their immune system and they're you know talking to girls or you know socializing with friends which is also a big part of um childhood and teen development listen to you (laughs) Jeez, I had a guy on the podcast a few weeks ago named Peter Gray, who's an expert right. in this. Have you? Did you hear that one? Uh, no, I don't think I've caught that one. He's yet. he's a really interesting guy, and that, that's his. He's written books about this right. and all that, and I think his last book's called "Free to Learn." Like the kids have to be free, right? You know, in to order learn. to learn. Yeah. You don't have. You can't force them into something because they just won't be interested in. Yeah, and and as you say, there has to be randomness involved. It can't yeah. just be sitting there staring at a computer screen or reading the book that somebody assigned to you. You got to be able yeah. to pick up a book because it speaks to you at that moment. Yeah. You know, you have a choice. So tell us about the book you're reading right now. By the way, oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I just thought, well, I need a good book to read, and you know, down below, um, under my TV, there's a bunch of books on a small little bookshelf. 
So I'm looking through the books, I'm looking through the books, and I just see this book, and it looks interesting. It's it's like the cover is like an ape um, uh, on a chair, and you see its back, and it's it's called um, A Short History of Progress by Ronald Wright, I, be- I believe you pronounce that. And I was like, oh, I'll give it a try, so then I read just the first couple pages, and I was hooked. And I just, you know, that night I read 20 pages, and then in the school the next day I read 40, and, you know, I just... So this happens to be a book that I've read and studied and I'm writing about. Really? Like today, I was I was quoting from this book. That is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I really love it. It's yeah. uh, it's interesting. So what what you've you've read about half of it? What would you say is the main argument? What's he trying to get at here? I th- I think personally, he's saying that. So like, society. I mean, not society and culture are different than civilization mm. like people think before civilization there was no culture there was no art there was no music but there was right people had fun they they were intellectual they thought you know they weren't just stupid cavemen hitting each other with s- sticks mm. yeah and anyway it's just basically explaining like it's not dissing civilization but it's kind of explaining how progress throughout history, even with um, uh, um, prehistory people, how um, go, having too much progress and not thinking it through can destroy societies such as the Mayans, the, um, uh, what are they called, the um, Easter Island. Right, he talks uh, about Easter Island. Yeah, That's... Rapa Nui also was what right. the natives call it, and... Um, Roman Empire, Egyptian right, Empire. Right. He goes through all these civilizations yeah. and shows how they they go. They're almost they're like living things. They go through a life cycle. Exactly. You yeah. know, and every one of them collapses the same way. And I, I don't want to ruin the ending for you, but <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't feel very hopeful about where we are right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. You don't Personally, either. Really? No, no. Without me, 
There's those thinking more, less, less is more. But if less is more, how you keep in score? It means for every point you make, your level drops. Kind of like you're starting from the top. And you can't do that. Society, you're crazy. I hope you're not lonely without me. Society, crazy indeed. I hope you're not lonely without me. Society, have mercy on me. I hope you're not angry if I disagree. Society, crazy and deep. I hope you're not lonely without me. Well, how do you? Where do you? Where do you see the world going? Where you know you're going to be 25 in 11 years, right? What's, yeah. what's the world going to be like? Well, you know, I just read another book called The Collapse of Western Civilization, really small, just 50 page book. Basically, <laughs> people aren't even noticing what's going on, yeah. like, like the population is, gr- is growing like a billion every 12 years now, and we're all and everybody and everybody's using more things, consuming more things, throwing away more things. Yeah, you know, more people are driving cars. And then um, because in China, China's economy is booming and that's a majority of the world's population. And so they're getting a lot of things. And, you know, yeah, we fix our oil problem, right? But then what about trash and sewage and all these different things? And people just really aren't thinking this through. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, well, what about in you know, 50 years when we have 10 billion people and, but the resources are all all run out. What are we going to do? Right. It's just, it's just really interesting to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea that we're even going to solve the oil problem is. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like we go through all this and to solve this problem and it's most likely not even going to get solved. And then we still have all these other problems under the layer because the oil is getting all the media, all the attention. People aren't noticing as much about the trash and the destroying of the coral reefs and the deforestation and the destruction of the soil from agriculture. And I'm just like, yeah, you got to think it through people. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what's the answer? Is there an answer? I don't know. I, I think about it a lot. I'm, I, I, I don't know. I think for fuel, for I think we just need to st- we need to stop dri- driving so m- cars so much. Get better public transportation, and just use solar power and geothermal. And people say, well, solar power uses a lot of precious minerals, and it's like you don't. You can make solar energy without using 
the solar panels they make in China. You, there's other ways to do it that plenty of people make it. Like you can use an old satellite dish and collect the sun's energy from that. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, passive. I mean, in Spain, where I live in Spain, and right. like all the apartment buildings have flat roofs, right? Mm-hmm. And it's sunny all the time. Yeah. And there are no solar collectors up there. Uh, not even just like passive, you know, like the PVC with the the yeah. piping. I'm not talking photovoltaic. I'm just saying run water through there and there's your hot water. You exactly, know? yeah. But they don't do it. The only They use them for hanging laundry. Everybody in the building will go up and hang their laundry. So I guess they're using solar power to dry their clothes instead of a dryer. But that's as far as it goes. It's it's amazing the amount of waste, you know. There's all this desperation. Right. But there's so much waste. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like it's it's the I I've never read the book, but it, I don't know. I the tale of two cities. cities. I I don't I don't know what the book is about, but I think the the cover it's like, you know, you have these people consuming more than humans have ever consumed before and they're having enormous health problems from the food they eat and the lack of exercise they have and et cetera, et cetera, the pollution and everything. And then you have these people in poor parts of Africa and Asia and South America who have, you know, all these birth defects and are starving and crazy clan wars and stuff. And it's just like, when are we going to find the middle ground? Right. You know? Do you know the first sentence of that book? What is it? It says, so it's about um, Victorian 19th century London. Right. right? And the first sentence is, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. (laughs) Oh my God. That (laughs) just, that explains. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's pretty crazy. So now, like, what about kids? Do you guys talk about this kind of stuff or is this (laughs) this considered weird to to be concerned? It's considered weird. Like, I'm like, Hey guys, I mean, shouldn't we talk about the environment or all the things we're doing? And they're just like, oh, you weird apocalypse environmental weirdo. And I'm just like, (laughs) no, this is real life. This is going to affect you. They're like, oh, I'll be dead by the time. No, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) And even if you are, don't you want your kids to thrive and the whole human race to thrive? Or do you just want to throw that away and just say, fuck it, I'm just going to live like just yeah. live like you know crappy and you know ignorant yeah i think there's a, there's a real feeling of powerlessness that uh that may or may not be accurate i don't know depending on how, <laughs> how hopeless you want to be about all this <laughs> yeah right definitely there's a sense of like well you know i can't the the ice caps are melting what am i gonna do <laughs> right you know? well if you say that then what one person says well i can do something then another person, and then five people, and then ten people, and then twenty, then a hundred, a thousand, mm-hmm. two thousand, ten thousand, and then it goes on and on. And next thing you know, you got five hundred million people saying, "I'm, I'm going to stop burning coal. I'm going to find new alternative sources of energy, and I'm going to, you know, stop try to stop overpopulation." And that's the problem. Humans are really bad, singular. The way, but when we work together, we create amazing things. Like, like I, I wouldn't call the atom bomb amazing thing, but it was a breakthrough in science, definitely. And a bunch of different people from around the world collaborated to make it. But the same with other things. Um, I don't know, really. 
mostly all the things that we've created lately are not that great. You know, basically <laughs> you're like, oh, well, they got a new thing. And it's like, it's so interesting. It just, cause it's just going to make you lazier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about. Like, how do you feel? Because we're talking about the 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 sort of deterioration of the environment, the natural mm-hmm. world, and all yeah. that. But a lot that's of people about. say that kids' brains are deteriorating for the, some of the reasons we talked about earlier. Right. Just because you can't like go out and live in the world, everything's <laughs> yeah. controlled. But also because of all the damn computers and like all the all this interaction with machines that kids are not learning how to interact with other people. Do you feel that at all, or do you think that's just adults being <laughs> whining? Well, I think it definitely varies with kids. Some kids are very outgoing, and they have a lot of friends. But then also, these kids who have a lot of friends, they spend a lot of time on electronics when they're by themselves. But then some kids spend their whole lives on electronics, and basically their life is electronics. And then there's some kids who do very little amount and are very outgoing and do other things. Me personally, I, I, I'm starting to just, I'm starting to tone down. I'm going to stop watching TV. I don't really play video games at all. I, I haven't since I was in like sixth grade a couple of years ago. And I'm just going to stop. I'm like, I'm going to do a little bit of time. And by, by one point, I'm, I'm just going to be reading books and, you know, listening to podcasts and, you know, Doing my homework, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some good TV. There's yeah. especially these days. I mean, I'm really I'm not going to stop watching documentaries because some right. documentaries are yeah. like really interesting. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So tell me about some good documentaries you've seen. I, I really I can't remember the names of all of them, but there was this. Do you good, like nature stuff? Yeah, or? I do. Like I watch a lot of nature documentaries about animals, like ecology. Mm. And what's funny is most of them, like they talk about the animals and the plants. And then almost every nature documentary I watch, at, towards the end of it, they say, and this is dying. Yeah. And we need to do something about it. Yeah. But nobody's watching them. Or, or if they do, they don't care about that last part. And, yeah, and then I like, there's this one good documentary called Origins. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm. It, it was it, it was good. It was it was BBC? No, it was American. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it was it was good. It was about... Everything from childbirth and child health, you know, to, um, and, you know, these, to, um, how we eat and how we live. And these guys, they went to like the African bush and met with these guys who lived hunter and gatherers. And they went around the world a little bit and met people. And then, you know, all these authors and, blah 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 come and they you know interview them and you know they give you information on it and you know it it was pretty good it was pretty good and i think everybody knows this one but you know food inc i I like that Mm. one a lot and um there was this one on netflix about plastic Mm. i can't remember what it was it was like you ever see a film called babies babies no. It's for it's really interesting. There's no dialogue. So there's no like talking to experts or anything like right, that, right? Right. It's just footage mm-hmm. of four different babies. Like they're getting born and right. like the first maybe it's the first year or two years of their lives, right? Right, yeah. So it's a kid in San Francisco, rich, you know, right. San Francisco yeah. parents. Right, you know. Another one in Mongolia. 
right? There's people oh, in Mongolia, they live Mongolia. in a yurt and they have like <laughs> nice. goats and yaks and stuff. Cool. And then there's one in Japan, in Tokyo. Tokyo. Super okay. plastic, bizarre, futuristic world. Yeah, right. And then there's one in um, uh, a tribe of hunter-gatherers in Africa, and like in, in Tanzania, I think. Oh, right. And so you just watch these kids, you know, and it yeah. cuts between them and yeah. like the same sort of stages. And you see like how, like how the kids play mm-hmm. and with other kids and yeah. animals and all this. And it's so, it's so interesting because you, they look like different species, you know, like the kid in Japan and San Francisco, they're in these expensive strollers, you know, and all these quilts and protection and, oh, no, no, too much sunlight and, oh, everything's, oh, watch out for the baby, (laughs) the baby. The kid in Africa is like eating dirt, you know, he's like lying (laughs) on his face. Eating dirt and he's happy as hell and he's rolling around and then this dog comes over and licks him on the face and he's (laughs) laughing and he licks the dog's nose and the adults are laughing (laughs) and there's like a a knife or the kids like by the fire, you know, and the adults are just like, yeah, whatever, you know, he'll, he'll feel it. Yeah. Humans, they, they go through experiences and they learn. That's, that's how, or we see another human do something and we learn from it. That's, that's how our brain develops. Yeah. Well, yeah, but part see, of it. I mean, yeah. what people would say is the reason civilization yeah. is such a great thing is that you don't need to experience it, right? You can read that book right. and like you've never been to Easter Island, but you can learn right. something from their experience. Exactly, but it's you don't get it as much. Like you read, you can read books, but you never get as the the, the feeling or the yeah. the essence of the place. Like Maybe yeah. one day I'll go to Easter Island or I'll or Rapa Nui or I'll go to, you know, Italy or something. You know, it's it's you know it's all about you know you if you are determined to do something you can do it. You'll find a way no matter what. That, that's what I yeah. believe. Yeah. Sometimes I think there's like a, you know, the conservation of energy principle. Yeah. The idea that like it can't be created or destroyed. It yeah. just changes form. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I think. Some, there might be something like a, you know, like, like that concept could apply to lots of things. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, um, maybe there's a, like a conservation of quality of life where there's a certain amount of good life. And if there are a billion people on the planet, then you can get a much bigger chunk of it yourself. But if there right. are 8 billion people, you're not going to get it. So, I mean, think about it in terms of food quality, right? Right. Like, if, if you got to feed 8 billion people, that means industrial agriculture, hormones, yeah. you know, pesticides, all that. you got to make all these animals stay alive. <laughs> Just barely. And yeah. fat and all that. So, okay, you get your food, but it's pretty bad quality food. Right. Whereas, like, hunter-gatherers, talk about grass-fed, you know. It's like <laughs> right. everything's organic and grass-fed and... You know, healthy because if the animal wasn't healthy, the hyenas would have gotten it a long time. Yeah, ago. yeah. If the animals like, if in the wild it's not healthy, humans will see that, and most likely, some like if there's a degree, like if it's just not healthy enough that it's easier to catch, we'll get it. But if it's so unhealthy that we think, oh no, that meat's not going to be good, then we won't eat it. But yeah, yeah. although how often would you even? have that situation because if it's that unhealthy something else got it a long yeah, time ago exactly and that's that really did not happen much at all because right. most animals that live in the wild die 
young before if they're not healthy if they're born not healthy they die much younger because that's called evolution and um natural selection yeah natural selection to make the species stronger and right yeah Yeah, we've sort of uh, turned that off natural selection yeah some people say we haven't some people say we're we're still evolving um rapidly actually but i've read those arguments and they don't hold up for me yeah. You know, because right. most of the things that, you know, most of the babies who would have died in mm-hmm. hunter-gatherer societies because they're unhealthy or whatever, now we're saving them. Mm-hmm. And they're growing up to reproduce. So if we're evolving, we're not evolving toward any sort of increased fitness. I yeah, I'm say. one of those um, would have been dead babies. Are you? <laughs> yeah. What um, would you have died from? Uh, I think... It was. It wasn't like I. I wasn't unhealth. Uh, unhealthy baby. It was just a freak accident. My mom, she had me, and I think I had like, like, like um, feces in my throat or something really weird like that, or like something was blocked up. But it wasn't like because I was an unhealthy baby and I couldn't live. But some like freak accident. This is while you were being born. Yeah, something happened. Uh, but there was some complication yeah. in the birth. So right? so like after I got out of the hospital, I was a healthy baby, but. You know, before I was, when I was born, I was not, see, but I don't know if that would have happened if I lived in a hunter-gatherer there society. There you go. You have exactly. To, that's, the, that's the thing. People don't question the premise. I was just writing about this today. Yeah. Um, you know, how I, I'm sort of, like this book you're reading, I'm questioning whether civilization is really such a great thing, right? Yeah. And when you read people's critiques or, or uh, responses to that, mm-hmm. They'll say things like, well, no, civilization is better. We've, we've got grocery stores, and, <laughs> and I don't know how to build a fire. I wouldn't last a week in that. that that's not very critical thinking there. Yeah, like if you were born there, you right. would learn how to make a fire when you were three years old. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah, the, the fact that you, you wouldn't, wouldn't need a grocery store. And what I said yeah. in the book is like that's like a chihuahua saying – no, it's much better to live in this studio apartment than to be a wolf. I wouldn't last long with the wolves. Like, yeah, you wouldn't, you yeah. stupid chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about exactly. here. Exactly. You're domesticated. You're yeah. not like a like a cow couldn't walk into the wild and survive because it'd fucking die. Yeah. It's so, so slow, you know? <laughs> exactly. And, the, and that's what we eat. It's weird. Sometimes yeah. in America especially, I feel like people have become the cows. They're yeah. so big and so slow. They even drive slow in their big cars. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. confused. You've never been to Europe, have you? Uh, no. Oh, dude. In a couple years, when I'm back in Barcelona, <laughs> you should come visit. That would be that It'll would be ruin sick. your life forever. I really want to go up to the um, mountains in northern Spain. I think uh, the Pyrenees. Pyrenees. I've spent a lot of time in the Pyrenees. Yeah. You know what's cool in the Pyrenees? What? And we'll do this if you come to visit. Yeah. These prehistoric caves with the art. Yeah. With the, like, they have, like, Neanderthal, Neanderthal stuff, and they have Homo sapien things. Yeah. Right. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, like 20,000-year-old mm-hmm. cave art. There's one in uh, Astorias that uh, Casilda and I went to where the people um, put their hands on the wall and they have this like red ochre that they grind up and then they blow. And so like the red goes on the wall, but there's a like a negative imprint where their hand was. And they're all over this wall. 
and you can stand as close as I am to you, mm-hmm. like a meter away from this. Yeah. And they're 15,000 years old. 15,000 years. And it looks like they did it yesterday. And you can like almost touch it. You could put your hand up and like <laughs> compare your hand to theirs. It's so wild, man, to feel that, that connection, really cool. you know, with somebody so far away in time. Yeah, they like died 15,000 like, years I mean, ago, the Egyptians yeah. were yesterday. You exactly. Know? <laughs> the pyramids and the, all that stuff. Yeah, the Romans. Oh, yeah, that was the other day. You yeah. know, hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's strange. Very strange. It's like, in, in history, I I did world, hist- world history in sixth grade. And there was maybe a couple pages on prehistory, and then we learned, we spent two months on the Chinese and a month on the Egyptians. And I'm like, but what about these guys back here? How'd they live? We didn't. Yeah. And yeah, like you were saying, like people say, oh, we, we're evolving rapidly, but evolving means that we're biologically changing, which the only way we've biologically changed is getting more tired, more fat, and our brains are getting smaller because we're not developing them properly. That's the only biological thing that we've changed. I mean, there might be a small thing in the past five or 10,000 years, but Yeah, the example people tend to give is um, the ability to digest milk. That's that's a uh, biological evolutionary change yeah, that's happened in the last yeah, few thousand. Just, Skin yeah. color, uh, <laughs> eye and hair color. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like deep uh, fundamental changes don't happen in five or ten thousand years. No. Human generations are very long for mammals. Right. And um, just Homo sapiens have been around for 200,000 years. Homo erectus was around for 2.7 million years. Damn, you know your stuff, huh? I didn't know the 200,000-year thing until about five years ago when I was writing a book about it. I was like, wait a minute, how long have our species yeah, been the, f- the first um, human, like, I think it was like Authropithecus or something like that. Mm-hmm. The first, um, you know, like, ape to make a tool out of, like, stones was like 12 million years ago or something. And, and then you, you see this little scale, it's like... Oh, hi, first civilization. You're like this little dot right here, yeah. and here's human history. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, you say they, they spent two days talking about prehistory, and that's 95 or more percent of our existence yeah, as a species. Exactly. And we're treating it like it's nothing. I know. Partly because it's hard to know a lot about it. Right, because the only thing we really know is archaeological evidence. There's not enough archaeologists to find all this stuff that's everywhere. And there's not, and, and there are a lot of things you can't learn from bones. Yeah, right? exactly. You, you, it's hard to know the culture, how people, yeah. like, did they, did they even have uh, language? You know, that's a big question because the soft parts of your throat don't fossilize. So we right. don't even know if they were speaking or grunting or. It's a funny thing. I, I think about this a lot, like how we. You know that story about the guy who's maybe you don't know this. Uh, it's the guy comes and there's a he sees a, it's at night and there's a streetlight and there's a guy looking under the streetlight and he says, mm-hmm. "What's the matter?" He says, "I lost my keys." He said, "Oh, okay. Uh, I'll help you look for him. Right. Where, where'd you lose him?" He said, "Over, over there on the other side of the road." He said, "Well, then why are you looking for him here?" He said, "Because there's light here." Oh my God, that is that is really 
that is really deep. <laughs> in a funny way. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's the first time you've heard that, right? Yeah, that's you're, a good You're going to hear that story for the rest of your life. Really? Yeah, because probably everyone listening to this is like, oh, that story. Because <laughs> yeah, I've heard it 50 times for sure. So you'll remember. This was the first time you heard it. It's fun. I'll all tell right. you all my old jokes. You've never <laughs> heard them before. But anyway, so I think that a lot of science is like that. Yeah. Right? It's like in archaeology we say... Um, of uh, you know the first tools developed by our ancestors was the cutting uh you know the hand axe or something right yeah right but okay. we don't know that here's the problem yeah. yeah that's the earliest one that we found but i would say our ancestors were making hammocks long before they were making anything to cut things with exactly chipping stones but because hammocks are made out of plant material, none of that is preserved. Exactly. So we just, like, forget it, you know? For all we know, humans have been around millions of years more than we think. Well, or they've been or they've been a lot shorter. But Yeah, but see, the really humans depends. things, that, that's the skeleton. That does last. That's right, yeah. So there you, you can... human, right? Right, yeah. yeah. You, can, you can get a better sense because of the shape of the skull and all that kind of stuff. But I guess my point is that we sort of assume, we forget the context. Yeah, right? right. We forget all this stuff that we don't see, like the silence in the, in the music, you know? Like yeah. we ignore it, and that's a really important part. In science, we look for things that we're good at finding. Right, just like, I don't know if this would be relevant, but in basketball, you're always looking for the you know, best shot or in, even if there's a bunch of guys around there, or if, you know, you're, you're hiking and you always try to the easiest trail or, you mm. know, it, what, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're, I mean, even to think about in terms of sen- senses, right? <laughs> like we, we can see a certain uh, a limited band of the spectrum of light. Right. Right. And we assume like for, Decades and decades, we assumed that all animals saw the same bandwidth exactly. that we did. Yeah. Turns out, no. A lot of them see completely different bandwidth, yeah. right? Or they, they interpret the world through the sense of smell, like dogs, instead of sight or whatever. Yeah, they see know? like a little bit of black and white, and that's it. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So anyway, cognitive bias. It's interesting <laughs> stuff. So what grade are you in? Uh, eighth grade. I'll be going to high school this fall. Uh, okay. And how are you feeling about that? You know, I really, I, 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 I don't want to go to a normal, you know, Cleveland high school because I don't like, I just kind of want to leave the system. It's, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I don't know how to express it, but I just want to find an alternative way to homeschool or unschool or find a, you know, alternative school or something. You know, it's Portland. You might be able why, to find Why? What, what is it about I, the conventional school that is a problem? It's. It's not that I don't like the teachers. I think I like the teachers, and I think they have good intentions. I don't like the way they're told to teach mm. or the way they have to teach, right? Because looking, like you said, looking at a book or looking at a computer scene, screen, <laughs> screen, is not the way I learn. I want to experience things, go out and actually experience things to learn them. Like, well, Hey, I want to learn about a plant, go out and look at the plant, take notes on the plant or, 
Right. You want more yeah. immediate experience. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, but then at the same time, you know, want to read a little bit of books too, but you have to have a, you know, a balance, not right. just a hundred percent one way or a hundred percent one way. And I, I don't know. It's, I just don't, I'm just not happy sitting in a chair for eight hours a day. Like I, I, I told myself, I don't think I'm ever going to get a five day a week, nine to five job or, you know, something like that because I, I couldn't stand it. I, I'm just going to do something that I love. I'm just going to be happy. And that, like, people ask me what I want to when I what I want to do when I grow up. I want to enjoy life. I want to be happy. I'll always find a way to make money, but I want to put happiness in front of money. So, what do you, what is happiness? How do you know when you're happy? To me, um, I'm happiest when I'm in nature. When I'm hanging out with friends and we're doing something really fun when I'm doing adrenaline pumping things like paintball or airsoft or something like that. Or, you know, when like, you know, you ask out a girl and they say yes, that you like, you know, that's, that's a feeling of happiness too. You know, pretty much, yeah, just things like that or just wanting to experience something for a long time or looking forward to something and finally getting to do it or go somewhere is um, a pretty good feeling of happiness, but yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's that's happiness to me. Just feeling like you're not just going through life and waiting to die. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually enjoy, actually you know enjoying the moment. You know, living in the moment. And, you know, just having fun. Yeah. But then at, at one point, you know, you gotta you can't just have fun all the time. You have to find a balance between them. Like with a lot of things you have to find a balance between them but that's that's yeah yeah what's your earliest memory earliest memory i think my earliest memory is when i was like two or three years old i think i was when i was like two 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 years old and i was my brother was just my little brother was just born and i think my first memory was like giving him like little milk Mm. in the little was it was it was I giving him milk? No, no, I was just holding him. I was just holding him. Yeah, I think that's my first memory. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when I was a baby or anything. You know, like I, you know, two. I remember when I was two holding my brother. That's right. the first memory. That's I really a pretty have. cool memory. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, uh, do you dream? Do you have? Do you remember your dreams? I have very vivid dreams lately. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've had very the past two. Month maybe like month and a half. I've had very vivid dreams. I don't know why, but I just have. I don't know. And you know, I st- um, so you know, I st- like a couple days ago. I've never really meditated before, but I tried it. I like everything about it except for how you sit. Yeah, <laughs> that's always been my issue too. I've yeah. I've meditated a lot through my life, and it's always like, why do my knees have to hurt? Why yeah. does my back have to hurt? Exactly. Yeah. Have you ever tried? Um, a float tank? My my parents talk about that a lot. Yeah. You want to do it? I've got that, six credits left on my. That'd actually float tank. be really fun. That'd be pretty. Sick. All right, that'll be your your <laughs> podcast swag. <laughs> podcast. I'll take you schwag. to a float um, down at the float on here in Portland. There. Um, <laughs> float on. Because the th- yeah, float <laughs> on, brother. Because the thing about floating that's so cool is 
um, it was for me, it was the first time I was like, oh, I can meditate. This is easy. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel fine. You know, you're in this, you know what it is, right? You know yeah. what the, it's, yeah. So it's completely dark, silent. And you float up to the top because the Epsom salt. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's right. only like, you know, yeah. 10 inches deep or something. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you're not touching anything. The water's your body temperature. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you feel like you're in outer space. It's right. like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so cool because then you can do that stuff with your mind that you're trying to do when you're meditating. You know, right. you can silence your mind. But you don't have to like sit properly and you got, you don't have to mess. Like, right. You know, you're not moving. always being distracted by, yeah. oh, that hurts. And oh, I got to change that. And yeah. Move and, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of, you know, the places I've studied, they've said that's part of the process. You have to overcome that. And then I floated and I was like, bullshit. (laughs) I didn't have to overcome that. I just had to float, you know, because here I am. I've got all this silence. And with, I mean, the first time I did it, it was just like kind of weird and interesting. But then, then I started noticing that it was like I would wake up. Right. B- but I wasn't asleep. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. It's like, wh- where was I? I know I wasn't here. <laughs> yeah. Where was I? I don't know. But it's it just like silence. It's really interesting. You know, that, that that's happened to me a couple times. But when I was sleeping, like, um, it happened to me a lot more when I was like 8 to 11 years old. I don't know if this isn't exactly that, but like, I'm just standing in the bathroom or I'm just walking around and then... I I have this really weird feeling and it's like like I'm something else and it's like who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And I'm like I'm I'm Murphy. I'm Murphy. I'm Murphy. I don't know. It was like the weirdest thing and it just happened randomly and like somehow I felt like just this little dot on this big scale and I like I didn't know what to do with anything cuz I'm just this little dot. And then I was like who am I? Like my soul almost came out of my body i'm like i'm murphy i'm murphy i don't know what it was it was really a weird experience i don't know if that's happened to other people Disappear. Late at night I hear 
Mom has been uh, has been assuaged. <laughs> She's she was yeah. worried. She didn't know where you were. So we were talking about you, you were just saying in school you're learning about magical realism. Yeah, it's a very interesting genre of literature and art also, mm-hmm. and it's mostly um, South America and um, Mexican based, and um, it's basically what it is is. You know, you can put it in art, you can put it in a book, you can put it in a poem, but where weird things, creatures, events, experiences happen, but then they're treated as normal. Yeah. Like somebody has a pig head for a head or somebody like, you know, or like 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 a super dragon flies through town and takes a house or, you know, something something like that. Or like, you know, there's some secret underlying thing and people say oh you know it's another thing right yeah and but I, i'm really interested in seeing the art the art is really cool to me yeah anyway yeah that's basically we were learning about that in school and it was it's actually surprisingly interesting yeah yeah i i like magical realism and and it actually connects to what i was going to ask you before your mom called right um because you were talking about uh, dreams and and uh, feeling the state of dissociation. Yeah, right. In most, like, magical realism, basically, is like how you have a really weird dream, and during the dream, it feels completely normal to you. Right. When weird things are happening, then you wake up, and you're like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. yeah. Right. So what I remember from being your age, one of the things I remember is a sense now, I don't know if this is going to sound weird to you or not, but <laughs> right. I, I remember feeling like I knew something right. when I was born that I was losing the older I got, mm-hmm. that I was losing it because my brain was becoming more, it was working more with words. So as my brain was becoming more literal, literate, yeah, literal, and linguistic, mm-hmm. it there was something I knew that I was progressively forgetting. It was kind of like as knowledge came in, this other thing was going out. Right, and you didn't really know what it was. Well, I couldn't name what it was because it wasn't yeah. a word thing, right? Exactly. It yeah. was. I mean. I've mentioned this on a on, on another podcast a few weeks ago, and a lot of people wrote to me asking about it, so that's why I'm mentioning it again here. But basically, it was like it was like I knew on some level where I had been before I was born, right? And I knew that it was fine, it was cool, it was nothing to worry about, and I knew I was going back there when I died. I knew like this was a visit, and I came from a place, and I'll go back to that place. 
Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting. It's a good place. Nothing <laughs> to worry about. But I could tell that in the culture I was be- I was being educated into that yeah. everybody was really freaked out about it. And I remember feeling like, no, no, I know <laughs> that this is nothing to worry about. But you know, it's kind of like if if like you're you're born in a really racist culture, yeah. but you know there's no reason to hate people because their skin's a different color. Exactly. But as you get older, it's like harder and harder to resist because everybody mm-hmm. is talking about those goddamn white people or those <laughs> you know, terrible brown people. Yeah. And so it's it sort of gets into you, and and on some level you're like, no, no, remember that this is bullshit. Remember that yeah. this is wrong. Yeah. It kind of happens to me like like they're saying all this stuff in school and in media and in tv i'm just like just filter it out it's not true you know you know that to yourself like you know like oh all these terrorists over in iraq are like you know blah blah well not every person from iraq is a terrorist right you know it's like yeah it's or not you know it's it's yeah it's interesting and I would always go, oh, yeah, right. So you were talking about, like, death and how you knew that, like, it was not something to be feared of. Like, I don't know, somebody might have, um, this might be a quote from somewhere, but I just, I remember it. Like, the greatest fear is the fear of the unknown. Like, death, that's why a lot of people are afraid of the dark. Mm. Or, you know, the wilderness. People don't know what it is. That's why they're so afraid of it. You know, it's like we, they don't know how it works. Yeah. That's why they stay in these little rooms in the cities and right. on their computers. You know? Well, and that gets us back to the, you know, the chihuahua who says, oh, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to be a wolf. You exactly. Know? Yeah. It's like, okay, just because you don't know how it works doesn't mean it's necessarily dangerous or, yeah. or problematic. And I think people have that same relationship with prehistory. Right. Yeah. They look at prehistory and they say, "Oh my God, everybody was clubbing each other to death, and everyone died." And it was, blah, blah, blah. that's all bullshit. <laughs> it looks that way because you're sitting in your lazy boy, you know, with your roast beef sandwich and <laughs> dribbling all over your shirt. You yeah. Idiot. Anyway, that's uh, hard. It's hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah it so, is. Uh, so we were talking about your your education. Now you're obviously. Uh, you know, if you would be for for most teachers, you would be the ideal student. The problem is you're a goddamn troublemaker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm a troublemaker because I want to speak my mind. Right. And I want to say, well, this doesn't make any sense, or right. You know, and, and you know, some things, a lot of things, do make sense, and it's I just don't like the way things are taught. But then then things are taught and they don't make any sense or they're, or they're just not, I, I don't know the word, but you know, it's just like, I just yeah. don't, I'm not interested in it and I just can't learn it. Like, or, you know, or in, unless I know it's going to be viable when I grow up, if I'm not interested in it, I just, I can't, you yeah. know, do it. Like, you know, I'll do good on the test if, or whatever, like you want me to do, but I mean, I really don't care if I have a, you know, whatever grade it doesn't mean anything to me as long as I know that I learned something and I experienced it yeah. and that I tried. I don't care if I get an F minus or an A plus. You know, that's those are just letters to me. Mm. You know, something else you and I have in common, I think, is that um, we both have really cool dads. <laughs> 
and and moms. I, I don't want to discount the moms, but again, <laughs> well, you know, dad, my father son relationship. Uh, it's is, a, it's an important thing, yeah. especially in uh, you know when you were talking about how you you know when you're interested in something like full speed ahead. If you're not interested, sorry, not interested. <laughs> yeah, I had that same attitude, and I think the reason that you and I were both able to preserve that attitude is, at least in my case, I always knew dad's got my back. <laughs> You know, and yeah. I know your dad well enough to know he's got your back for sure. As long as you're not being a dick, as long as you're like, there's a legitimate yeah. argument behind what you're doing. Yeah, you're not just he's doing always going to support you, mm-hmm. right? Because he values, he respects you, respects your intelligence, mm-hmm. and he sees you as a as a human being, as a human being, not, not, not some yeah. thing he owns, not a pet, right? Yeah. And my dad was the same way, and I I used to get into these conflicts in in school. And, you know, the teachers would be like, well, we're going to have your father come in here. And I'd be like, bring it, bring <laughs> that, it. That's what I'm like. Like, <laughs> like they're no like, idea. I'm going to call your dad if you if you if you keep talking to me like that. I'm like, I'm being very respectful. And I'm just telling you that your policy doesn't make any sense. OK. And then my dad's just like, why the fuck are you calling me during work? You yeah. know, like, obviously, he doesn't say that. But yeah. he, t- he tells me that the next night. And I'm just like, yeah, like, like I was at school and. And we were standing in a circle, you know, all my friends, and we were just talking and hanging out. And the teacher comes over, and he's like, you can't stand in a circle. And we're like, this is bullshit. So we kept standing in the circle, and then and then he said, all right, you better come with me. So then everybody goes, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to get in trouble for standing in a circle. So I just stay there, and I don't go over there. So then they send me to the office, and they have this whole discussion of, oh, you were doing good. You know, you got academics, and now now you're pulling this on us and I was like I, I don't think this is why, why am I in trouble and he's like don't talk to me like you're five and I'm like vice versa right you know so like, you were standing in a circle uh, what's the problem you should stand in squares or triangles or? <laughs> yeah I know but like he can't shape? he can't see us so it's unsafe oh, because it's, he can't it's see it's our hands control. and our faces yeah oh I gotcha yeah. and, and, and you know for a lot of not just school but society it's like it's like oh you can't do this and it's like why well it's unsafe control yeah, yeah. well this this is an ever present tension you know i mean i've got this idea that i should have a special driver's license that reflects the fact that i haven't had an accident in 30 <laughs> years right that i used to ride my motorcycle around shit faced and you know it should all be like on the on the license like you know <laughs> Because I think a lot of people, when they um, alter their consciousness, they become really reckless and crazy and do stupid things. Other people know they've altered their consciousness, so they get even more careful to compensate. So I've, you know, I've argued, and people hate it when I say <laughs> that, that that should be on your license. If you can demonstrate that you, know, you are a person who gets more careful, then that should be noted somewhere. But it's, it's impossible, right? Because society is designed, it's like airplane chairs. Yeah. Right? They're designed for the average size. If you're bigger than average, you're screwed. Right. If you're smaller than average, it's great. So it's like society. It's designed for the average. If you're smarter than average, you're screwed in a way because (laughs) the rules aren't made for you, but you have to follow them anyway. Yeah. If you're a bloody idiot, you're running around saying, wow, this is great. I can't believe they let me do this. Yeah, go America. Let me drink my beer. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make fun of Americans. No, No, I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) 
No, that's nobody. It could nobody be for cares. any country, you know. But I, you know. But Americans are particularly dumbass people. <laughs> I have to say, not yeah. again, not all Americans. Yeah, yeah. Of course. There's, you know, there's always exceptions and everything. Yeah. But no the, what. the cultural values of America support a level of dumbassity <laughs> yeah. that is not supported in other countries. And a lot of the dumbassity, like like some of it, is just like underlying, like like people don't like. We even realize that their whole goal in life is to get money and and just get more and more and more and more money to get to the top. And it's like, why would you go to a desk job for 40 years so you can be in charge of 10 people and just at with a slightly bigger desk? Right. It's just like, and then you're consuming so much. And uh, I saw this documentary. I watched it for a second time a couple of days ago. It was called... Uh, 180 South, and it's mm. about this these two guys. They're in the 60s. They went down to Patagonia, and they climbed this mountain that nobody's climbed before. Wow! Yeah, and um, you know they're in California, and they just they um, were made ma- climbing gear like at a blacksmith, and you know they're making a lot of money. But they said, you know, making money, I don't, I don't, I don't really care. I'm let's go travel. So they took a van, and went through Mexico and South America, and, you know, those are all gravel roads then. Right. And, when was this? Uh, like the 60s. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, so... Um, that, the, and, the, what's that called? The Trans-American Highway? Yeah, Trans-American Highway, yeah. yeah. And so, and then they got, and they, you know, explored and climbed these mountains that nobody's went to before. And then one of the guys create, like, right now, Chile and Argentina are getting uh, more industrialized and, you know, things like that. I mean, all these corporations are coming, catching all the fish and, you know, ruining farmland. And then he created national parks. Is this the founder of Patagonia? Um, like Yves Chenaud or something like that? Maybe. Maybe. He, yeah, he, it could be. Because he yeah. was making climbing gear and yeah. he was a big, uh, you know, climber and traveler. Yeah. And they take a lot of their money and they set aside uh, land, especially in Chile. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that was them. And, and then the movie was about this guy from California who um, sailed to um, Easter Island because they ran out of gas and they, he stayed there for a while and then he went to Chile and he, you know, climbed these mountains in Patagonia and he met those guys because oh. they really liked him and, you know, he, te- you know, not texted, emailed them and stuff. And, um, yeah, and uh, the guy said something like, I got it. It was, um, it's the hardest thing to, to do is to live simply, but the easiest thing to do is to make your life more complex. That's right. Yeah. Because the flow of society is toward complexity. Yeah. This society, not hunter-gatherer society, which is the one we grew up in. So that's why simplicity feels so good. Yeah. But it's like what we were saying before about like being raised in a society that's racist, but you know you're not really racist. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. There's a. Have you ever heard of a book called Walden? No. By Henry David Thoreau. You ever heard of him? Um, okay, Henry David Thoreau, it's 1845, something like that, I think. Mm-hmm. He's a young guy, maybe mid-20s, and he's looking at life and he's saying, all right, I, I, I feel like life's pulling me in all these directions. <laughs> I need to take a break, figure out what's really important to me, and live my life carefully and intentionally. Yeah. So I'm going to take a year... And I'm going to go live in the woods by myself and think. 
And so he goes, he finds this patch of woods in this pond called Walden, and he builds a little house for himself, and he has a little garden, and he lives there for a year, and he writes this book called Walden. It's become this classic book of people who like think this way, right, and want to sort of simplify and study what what really matters in yeah, life, you know? Yeah, for sure. And one, of, I remember there's one of my favorite lines. It just says, simplify, simplify. simplify yeah. It's all about simplify. Yeah, and um, I was going to say, I was going to say something about, oh, right. So, like, when I'm in the city or, you know, somewhere, like like, around a lot of people and this, you know, horns honking and, you know, smoke coming from the cars, you know, and all this stuff, and, you know, all, you know, everybody on their phones, and then I come out and I go to nature, where our species evolved and flourished for, you know, you can say hundreds of thousands of years or millions of years, whatever you consider our species, right? Yeah. And I just sit there, and it's like, when I'm in the city, it's like, nothing makes sense. There's all these things, you know, like, go here, go here, do this, do that, do that, take this, or eat this, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm just out out in the forest or on top of a mountain or on a lake, you know, wherever. And it's just like I just breathe and it's just like everything makes sense here. Yeah. You know, the 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 um plants take the sunlight, grow up, and then the herbivores eat the plants and the omnivores eat the om I mean the herb the carnivores, um, the carnivores yeah. eat the and the omnivores eat the uh, Omnivores eat everything. Yeah, omnivores eat everything. <laughs> yeah. But basically, it like makes sense. Yeah, like, it's a cycle. Like everything fits together. Yeah, every, yeah, but then when you go in the city, it's like this doesn't make any sense. Why do we have this here and this here and that here? It was just like, right. it's like people think like like they're so depressed or they don't don't know what to do with their life and they lived in the city. Just go out into nature for a couple of days. Just take a backpacking trip or just take a hike and then just sit there. Yeah, and just take a couple deep breaths and. Um, it definitely happened for me because, you know, when I was, I, I used to live in Georgia, I moved from Georgia two years ago to Portland, Oregon, where we are now. And I, I, you know, occasionally went on a hike just out of the city, which was like far away and it wasn't even that good. And then I moved here where there's, you know, two mountain ranges, all these rivers and creeks and wildernesses and, and, you know, I had the beginning, you know, I took a hike every once in a while and I was still on that city atlanta ad attitude yeah. and then one day probably it was a probably like around last summer and it's been getting more and more and i'm kind of at that tipping port point like right now in the past month or so i can feel it in myself and we're you know what i take a hike one day and you know it didn't mean much and then I take a hike another and it's like this is amazing. Mm. Like now, I can't go a week without going out into nature because yeah. I will like, you know, I will like get yeah. that feeling. And if you know, and I just have to because if I, it's, <laughs> it's like um, going out there and just relieving your stress and just like because there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about. You're just sitting there. It's quiet. It's not quiet actually. It's the it's more louder than anything. You hear the wind, the birds, the the water, the you know the, the trees, the little insects the, buzzing yeah. by. Yeah. I never even noticed, but then one day, I just laid down for half an hour, didn't move, didn't speak, 
And I never noticed all these little bugs climbing all over me and all mm. around the dirt. And I just, I never really noticed that. Yeah. And like the more aware you get, the more, I think the happier you'll get. But then you'll get, the, the, there's just one small problem with being like liking nature so much and enjoying it is you're not as happy in the city. But really, you just notice that you're unhappy. You were just as unhappy before. You just notice that you're unhappy more. That's an interesting, interesting point. Yeah. yeah. When you're aware. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. You can feel it. Yeah. I, there's a word in Spanish, aislar, mm-hmm. which means two things in English. In English, we have two words, to insulate mm-hmm. and to isolate. Mm-hmm. And Spanish is just one word. I think about that all the time. Like we try to insulate ourselves in society and yeah. cities. You know, we build walls to keep out the neighbors. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the more money you have, the more insulation you buy, right? Yeah. You get tinted windows in your car and you walk down the street with headphones on so nobody can talk to you. Get and better you locks on your house. You got big locks yeah. and walls and, and gates and dogs. If you're and, rich enough, you can get security. Exactly. And, but then what happens? You're isolated. The more you insulate, the more you're isolated. And we do it with everything. You know, the, the best shower I've ever had in my life right. was in my apartment, in my first apartment in Barcelona. <laughs> it, was this, it was basically a shack on the roof of this building in Barcelona. <laughs> right. It had no uh, kitchen. No, it was like a room with a toilet. It was like a prison cell, <laughs> sort of big. Yeah. But I had this little gas burner that I found, and... Um, so in the winter, when I wanted to, uh, I set up a shower out on the roof for the summer, but in the winter when it was too cold and rainy and stuff, I would like make, I had this spaghetti pot that I would heat water with my one little gas camping stove. And it took about an hour for the water to get hot. And then I'd dump it into this bucket with cold water. And I knew the right amount so that the mix would be right and the yeah. temperature would be nice. And then I'd squat over this drain, and I had, like, a, two washcloths, one with soap and then one without soap to rinse. And I'd, like, do my ass and my armpits <laughs> and all this stuff, you know. And, then, and I had this whole sequence of things. And then at the very end, this is like a two-hour process. <laughs> and at the end, I would take what was left of the bucket, and I'm squatting there on the floor, and I would just, like, go and pour it over my head. That was the best shower ever. You actually worked for it, though. Exactly. You work for it. You wait for it. You build it. There, it's. I know. It's in it's one level. It's very simple, but it's like what you're saying about nature. You notice all the details. Now you walk over there. You, you pull this thing. The water comes out exactly the temperature you want. Yeah. You stand there. You forget you're taking a shower. You're not yeah. even experiencing it. In like you know, we think like we. Like we just turn on the stove or we turn on the oven or, you know, we, you know, get our water in. But before and what I actually I like, like I go to <laughs> no problem. I go to trackers, um, this place, um, uh, trackers where we, you learn primitive skills that right. our ancestors used and you, you know, make friction fires without matches or anything. And when you do it, when you actually spend half an hour, you know, drilling down on this like rock, you, I mean, not rock, like piece of wood right. and using a stone to like hold it down and you're using, expelling all this energy and work and skill and you get this one little coal and you feel like you're on top of the world just because you get this one little coal. Right. 
when and then you make a fire and then you you know you cook food over it you know you heat up water you know you do yeah. whatever and it's like just this one little coal you make from half an hour of just you know all <laughs> yeah. this work and all this work and just yeah. little coal and you know somebody who is given the coal will be like who gives a shit right. then you, when you work for it when you spend all that time and energy and skill on it it's just a different feeling right yeah it, so it so what's the lesson there? How are you going to apply that lesson to your life in general? Um, I just, it's kind of hard. You know, it's kind of hard because everything is so easy. I just, I just, right now what I want to do is I just, when I grow up, when I get older, um, I just want to like, buy a van and just travel around around and like meet people experience things and then when I get a little older I just want to build a shack or something out in the middle of nowhere and learn how to live out there and just and just do it and work for everything I do you know in the winter you know build a big fire keep all your firewood you know safe and yeah yeah, like that's what I want to do when I get older but you know when I'm living here and I can't do anything because I I have to get a high school diploma even if I just want to make money or and you know it's good to go through school and you know have those experiences like I want that but then at the same time I kind of want to live a different way you know but yeah yeah Yeah, it's tough it's tough to have those sorts of values but on the other hand you know you're obviously a guy who has a lot of friends and you know how to relate to people and and those things are so important and if you're living out there alone in the yeah. middle of the woods you're going to be like eh, you know wouldn't mind someone to chat with you know maybe hook yeah. up with some women and it's like well <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know we'll see man but you definitely you'll have to come to visit me in barcelona or wherever wherever i am wherever you are yeah that'd be that or you know wherever you go like South Africa, you were mentioning the other yeah, day. Yeah, we're going or... there next month. Really? South Africa. Yeah, but that's Ugh. that's not to live. That's just to Yeah, yeah. Are you travel. going to hike Table Mountain? I don't know. Maybe. We're going to be in Cape Town. Yeah, it's so. right next to Cape Town. Yeah, so, yeah, I hear we'll it's pretty there. cool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah yeah we'll see i don't know <laughs> hey this is a lot of fun thank you you're yeah you're a great guy yeah, no problem i think people are going to enjoy listening to this so maybe i'll check in with you in a year we'll do another one <laughs> see how see how you've progressed like, like right. we were talking about like see how much i could have changed in that one year That's when right. it seems to like you know you're 45 and then you're 46 nothing happened but then you're 13 and then almost 14 then you're 15 almost i mean 14 almost 16 you know i mean 15 god damn it (laughs) well i want to know you know 10 years from now right when you listen to this Mm -hmm. what that's going to sound like to you yeah or 20 years you're gonna be like oh that guy's dead now (laughs) yeah hey hey i'm out i'm still here for you listening to this in the future yeah Dude, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> but even if I'm dead, it doesn't matter. Because as we established, there's yeah. nothing to worry about. Yeah. It's what just... do you think happens when we die? Do you have an opinion on that? I know. I think. I don't think that it's heaven or hell. Because I don't think that you should get punished like an eternal hell. Because maybe your life was put in a different way and you couldn't do. You know, you had to do bad things to survive and you're put in hell, right? I think it's either you reincarnate, mm-hmm. you go to a different planet, 
like uh, or universe you just wake up there mm-hmm. or you just they're just floating and there's i don't know it's it's a very interesting concept i it's really hard to wrap your mind around because it's like you can't possibly imagine it because you know nothing about it other than it happens you know it's like i don't know yeah. it's it's really weird it's like it happens, but we know nothing about it afterwards. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like it's, it's like the moment when a raindrop lands on the ocean. Right. You know, like the water doesn't disappear. It's still there, but, yeah. it's, but the raindrop is not there. Isn't there. Yeah. Right. That's, 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 yeah, that's a cool way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a form, but the substance is still there. So. Come from the cloud. Right. And then you go into the ocean. Yeah, and like you said, in nature, everything's a cycle. Everything yeah. is going around in circles. So. Water cycle. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got to get you home. Thanks for doing this one. All right, yeah. Oh, I had fun. Mm-hmm. Consider making a donation at fundwhatyoulove.com. Fundwhatyoulove.com. You'll see there's a campaign for tangentially speaking there. It's a monthly thing. So you can say, hey, I'll throw in a buck a month or five bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or whatever you can afford, whatever you feel is appropriate. Um, that way I know I've got sort of an operating budget for the podcast. As you know, I'm against advertising i'm i'm trying to not clutter it up with a bunch of bullshit telling you to buy this and buy that let's just make it direct if you like the product i'm putting out please help me do it um, by funding it through fundwhatyoulove.com and if you've got a project that uh, you'd like to um, create a campaign for you can also set up a project there at fund what you love if you're an artist or a musician or what have you um, check it out fundwhatyoulove.com And uh, that's enough bullshit from me. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Catch you next week. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day
about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say to the ground. 